0: The next programme, From the Ground Up, by Norris Davidson, is introduced by the Director-General of Radio Aaron, Edward J. Roth,
1: Jr. Good afternoon. In a few hours, Telefís Aaron will begin transmitting the first programme of Ireland's new television service. Many of you will, I'm sure, be among the thousands of viewers on this New Year's Eve. It is an honour for me to bid you welcome. What you will see on your screens is both an end and a beginning. It is the end of years of careful planning and tireless work by the government, the TV Commission, and by the Radio Orange Authority under its chairman, Eamon Andrews. It is the end of unrelentingly intense effort by the completely dedicated staff of people who have worked together as a team in the most complicated business of television. It has been my privilege to work as Director General with this team, almost all of whom are Irish. I have been living and working here in Ireland for hardly more than a year and what the men and women in Telefish Aaron have accomplished during this past year has been remarkable. Their energy and their dedication are a guarantee that this New Year's Eve is not only a festive end to a prolonged effort but also a happy beginning. Every one of us at Telefish Aaron is conscious of what this beginning signifies in the long history of this nation. We have worked together so that through television we may do for you, the Irish people, what television is specially equipped to do. That is to give this historic nation a deeper and sharper awareness of itself and of the world in which it exists. And to bring into your own homes the fabulous wealth of entertainment and fun. The news and commentaries and the information and culture that can enrich your lives. There is not one of us who is not acutely conscious of the immense responsibilities involved. We will not shirk them we shall be sustained by the thought that in the months and years ahead, as Irish television becomes more expert and develops native genius and talent, Ireland will present to herself and to the world an image worthy of her dignity and her tradition. As I wish you all a happy new year, I am peculiarly conscious of saying something historically important, for it is on New Year's Eve that television came to Ireland.
2: Radio Adam. From the Ground Up A sound picture of the coming of television by Norris Davidson
3: Television begins from the beginning. Television training is from the ground up. There can be no improvisation, no chiselling a square peg to make it fit a round hole. Alone The ear may forgive, but the eye and the ear together cannot.
4: Television for Ireland was announced. Applications from actors, authors, producers, would-be producers, unpublished authors, stageless actors, the applications flowed in.
5: Yes, sir, I am writing with reference to the announcement in today's paper about the setting up of television in Ireland. For the past ten years, I have been playing leading roles in Ireland and... and with of England. this so. in view, I have
6: pleasure in enclosing herewith a copy of my play, Riders of Judgment,
7: in its present stage form. And trust that you may find it suitable for present. No, no. I
8: have sung in spot the voice contests, grand opera, and nigger minstrel
0: shows, also
8: acted in Shakespeare at school. You
0: will agree that the I have not. not in of there. this, I have been working on the technical side in television in Australia, and would now like to return home
4: if there is a likelihood of employment. The hopeful, the experienced, the hopeless, but all grasping at this new opportunity at home. Dear
8: sir. Dear sir. Trusting that I may have a favorable reply. Looking forward to your acceptance.
9: Awaiting sir. the favor of an early reply. Enclosing a copy of press notices which please return and remain. Yours faithfully. Respectfully yours. Yours very truly.
4: The letters came in, still come in. The answers go out.
2: I to acknowledge your letter of the 14th and note the information it contains. While, however... Yes, sir, with reference to your letter of the 15th, I am to say that your application for the yes, post... sir, I am returning here with your play, Riders of Judgment, with many thanks for having submitted it.
8: Unfortunately, it is not regarded as being suitable material for the drama... Yes, sir,
2: I am directed to inquire whether you could make it convenient to call for interview at the above address on Friday the 11th, or failing that date on the 15th or 16th of June, at in all cases... Half past two.
3: The letters came in, the answers went out, and the buildings went up. Paper plans became building sites. Bulldozers peered a mountaintop. The road to the summit made a black stripe through the heather. The sheep retreated before the grumbling machinery. Four counties watched the transmitter mast on Kapur, pushing its head into the clouds. Two streams, programme supply and programme transmission, were moving towards a meeting point. The engineers were building the means of getting the programmes out. The planners were working out programmes. The studios weren't ready, but the training schedule couldn't wait, and so a school was set up in the Marion Hall Balls Bridge. Here, the people who have been selected for training have gathered. Most of them are raw, and they're unclassified. They're gathered in groups for lectures in very general introductory terms. This one is being given by Pat Carney, Director of Program Production.
7: There are several ways of doing this <coughs>
3: business of directing actors on the floor. The way I
7: like, which is the way I'll tell you about, is you can find you can feel different, or you can know, feel free to disagree with it if you want to, but I think that this is possibly one of the best ways of doing it. You take the actors for the first scene. You go down on the studio floor, you have your production assistant and your floor manager with you, and you have your three cameramen with you, and you have your microphone. And you all, everybody stands around the director and the back of him, And the actors do their scene. And as they do it, and as they read their lines, the director is saying, and you will track in on that shot to his face, and then I will cut to Bill who'll be on camera too. And then I want him to track in on the close up of the girl's face. And then he stops the actors and he says to the cameraman, Now, oh, have you got that? Fine. You'd, it's better in a long and a complicated drama to do this scene by scene, very small scenes at a time.
3: The furniture of the school, the equipment of its control room, the lights. Everything is being unpacked and assembled, and everyone lends a hand with one kind of job or another. One trainee is sweeping the floor, something far from the job he hopes to get. I'm sure his name is Ciaran Kilroy, and we're going to find out how he comes to be here.
2: I was a university student at UCD, Mm -hmm. and uh, I saw an advertisement in the paper, and I answered it, and I got a form, and I filled it in.
3: What were you doing at university?
2: I was doing arts, uh, honours, English and history, and Latin and philosophy.
3: Now, what do you hope to do when this class settles down, when you've learned a bit?
2: Well, there are a series of jobs uh, which, we can, which we have applied for, and we will be assigned to those at the end of the course. They aren't uh, fully determined yet, you know, but I hope to be a floor manager.
3: The stage was curtained off, and the control room equipment was set up behind it. The floor of the hall became a studio. Quite soon, a dry run of a sports cast was being set up by Ernest Byrne, who was director of the training course. A team was assigned to it, the telecine projected a croke park final, and an announcer was brought in from sound radio, and a sports commentator. Each section was linked up by headphones, and the producer took over.
10: Stand by in the studio, please. One minute. One minute. Camera two, will you frame up on the opening card? Preview camera two, please. A little too close on two. pull back, please. Hold it right there. That's good. Preview one. Camera one, will you back to a tight shot on Dennis, please. It's five lens. Thirty seconds. Have Dennis take a seat, please. Follow him down. That's good. Stand by with the opening music. Camera one, can you hear me? Yeah. Camera two. Telecine and floor. Five seconds, here we go. Ready to take one. Spin the music and take one. Music under. Open the news mic and cue them. Stand by to dissolve to two. Dissolve to two. Fade your music slowly out, please. Stand by, Telesini Roll, Telesini. The vessel was still burning.
3: Roll, Tellesini. Okay, stop it right there. Well, the Telesini didn't roll that time. There's a post mortem covering all branches of the work, and already the technical terms are being understood.
10: She would do it something like this. If you have uh, uh, a script in front of you and the shots are lined up, her cues, uh, she would begin by saying, stand by shot one on one. The next is shot two on two, shot three on three, and then back to shot four on one, assuming you have three cameras. You can get the cues upwards where she is saying uh, 147 on four is next. That means that camera four has shot number 147. And in the prearranged uh, program, the cameraman on four knows what shot 147 is. He's rehearsed it and he has it written down in front of him and he just gets it. You don't have to call his lens or composition. He's already rehearsed it and he knows. But on programs such as news, since, uh, because of its immediacy, you usually do not have time for complete dress rehearsals because news by its very nature is coming in at the last minute and therefore the script is prepared and uh, the director has to call it, shot for shot and cue for cue.
3: The technique was to teach the job by going ahead and doing it. After that, the gradual knowledge of principles would come.
4: And during this time, the television sets tuned to Channel 7 began to show the test card. Afternoon, transmissions of the trade test card began with accompanying music and soon the shop windows were blocked by people looking at the St. Bridget symbol or the picture of the National Library or of Glendalough. This
3: is this the first time you've seen uh, the, uh, the test card? It is, yes. yes. It's pretty really clear. It is. Very good. Yes. Have you got television in your home? No sir, I haven't. Do you think you, you will? will? Oh, I'm getting one. You are definitely. getting one? Yes, definitely. So you're taking the programmes on trust? I am. Good, that's
4: a fine spirit. Carl Jones went from window to window, collecting opinions and meeting quite a variety. For example, a television salesman.
11: As soon as the sale began transmitting signals, we uh, switched on all our sets from three to five to give the, to show the test cards, the different test cards from the radio air and television.
8: And uh, from your point of view, what is the reaction being? Well,
11: initially there was immense uh, interest. You know, crowd windows were crowded, people watching in, looking at the, uh, test cars, particularly the one of Glendalough. When people r- realized that this was an actual transmission of Radio Aaron, the inquiries began pouring in as to what the reaction would be, what the reception would be like from the Irish station, would there be difficulties, what areas they would require. And uh, we, ha- we, of course, sort of haven't been able to... R-
8: has has in- this uh, interest actually sold any sets for you?
11: Well, sort of interest in, in, at this time of the year always increases but as a guard, in respect of the Irish station, sort of, there it, it, the boom hasn't come yet. On the basis of this, do you think, would you go out and buy a television set?
2: Well, if it's as good as that, I would. So it was as clear as that. I don't think it's coming in very good,
12: to tell you the truth. I've got better reception at home from uh, the BBC, and I'm near main route, you know, the traffic route. Well, this is, it's only really a test card as a press. Of of just, uh, would you call
8: yourself a, a disappointed
12: first viewer? Yes, I think you could say so. I'm definitely disappointed. That's the best they can do at the moment. I think they should be much more advanced. Well, I've come
8: down here on several occasions to see the test transmission. And I must say, it's very nice to see something tangible tangible being done after all the talk. And uh, what about the future?
2: You made up your mind.
8: Oh, I have indeed. i will certainly be looking forward to Irish television very
2: much. Well I think it's marvelous here now, um, being able to see it immediately, I mean, I think it's a, uh, uh, it says a lot for the firm that gets there f- first off, you know, and what I mean about seven television sh- sets showing you the picture, um, well it's quite something I feel, and it should help the sales immensely. It certainly is drawing the crowds anyway. Yes, it appears to be doing that all right, and uh, it gives me an idea of what the reception is like, even with them... Um, these sets would appear that they're not even on the, the aerial that would be suitable for television reception, and yet there's quite a picture there, as you can see, compared to the normal reception of BBC and UTV.
4: That's something of what was happening on the ground. And now, from the ground up.
3: Kapura stands 2,000 feet above sea level, and the mast rises another 300 feet into the clouds. The first time I started up the new mountain road to the transmitter, it was a dark and miserable evening. Halloween, in fact. The sun had just set, but as I drove up towards the red-eyed glaring down from the mast, I saw it set again. And the higher I got, the stronger the wind grew. And then the mist began to close down round me. Everything had a bleak look, a lost look, a look like the one Muzorkska describes. At the transmitter building, on top of Kapur, doors have been ripped off cars by the wind, and so one drives right into the garage before getting out. And the steel doors that open automatically close behind one and cut off the storm. Inside, everything is warm and quiet, and maybe rather monastic. There's the transmitter hall, control room, offices, kitchen, dining room, and cabins to take storm-bound transmitter crews. There's a standby generator in case of a power failure. And from this single-storey building, which has the most exciting atmosphere of any building I know, the trade test card is going out with music accompanying it. Uh, at the moment, you're sending out trade tests, isn't that what it's called? That's right. For yeah. the benefit of dealers installing sets installing and i suppose selling sets and selling sets yes well now what i see is um, a control panel with two small television screens one on one side one on the other with the uh, telefish errand symbol appearing on the left hand one and also on the on the right hand one presumably one is c- incoming we and usually the other is the outgoing
13: yes that's quite right we usually keep the left hand one on the incoming signal and the right-hand one, and what we're actually transmitting.
3: Yes. Now, what's this green line you're looking at in the middle? Uh, well, that's the uh, waveform monitor, for monitoring the waveform of the uh, outgoing transmission. And those uh, wigglings, I can only describe them as, and flickerings, what what are you to do, to keep them uniform? Uh, well, they must be within certain limits, but um, it's the actual waveform of the, the vision signal that's going to the transmitters. I see. Have you any reports, any distant reports, yet? Yes, we've had reports from
13: as far away as Congleton and Cheshire. Have you? Overseas? Yes, Yes. and from as far north as Banbridge. But um, that should not be taken as a general indication that the signal will go as far as that. It depends on terrain, depends on the aerial installation being used, and on a number of other
0: factors.
3: There's no physical link between the Montreux studios and this mountaintop transmitter, and Mr Kevin J O'Connell, the engineer in charge, explains how the programs will reach the control panel.
13: The signal will come on a microwave beam. The system is uh, broadly this. As everyone knows, the signals originate in the studios. They originate as separate vision and sound signals. They are then sent on cables to a link house which is situated in the grounds of the Montrose studios. There they are superimposed upon this microwave beam that I have referred to. This is a very high frequency beam mm-hmm. and at such frequencies it behaves somewhat similar to light in that it can be reflected. From the link house it goes on what we call a waveguide up to a paraboloid reflector, which is situated on the roof of the Link House. It is directed up at a flat reflecting sheet near the top of the Montrose Tower, and it comes across Glanthu Mountain, in fact,
3: as a, a beam, somewhat
13: similar is to beam. Is this sheet
3: in, in visual range of, of the mast here?
13: It is in visual range of a similar sheet near the top of the Capure mast. In fact, it can be yes. seen underneath the aerials.
3: So it it comes up uninterruptedly then?
13: uninterrupted. It is reflected off our sheet here and is received on a paraboloid on the roof of our building. From that paraboloid, it goes on a waveguide down to a link room. In that room, the vision and sound signals are once more extracted and fed up to us here, where we are at the moment in the control room, on cables.
3: By early December, the Italian engineers had installed the operators in the link house at Montrose and Kapur was then in direct communication by microwave with the studios. Hello Mr Tobin. Oh, hello. I'm glad glad to hear you up there.
12: (laughs) Glad to be alive. You know, this is supposed to be a calm day here and we've just been checking the wind and it's gusting to 50 miles an hour. Well now, tell me, that's interesting because my voice is
3: coming up to you on microwave, isn't it? It is indeed. And what happens if one or other, or both the masts,
12: sway? Yes, well, uh, uh, we've taken precautions against that in the design here. The masts don't um, deflect more than 1% of their height. And even if they do deflect, the angle of reception of the aerials at each end uh, is wide enough to allow for a, for quite a great sway in the mast, and yet not a loss in signal. The signal may fade a bit, because- It could they, fade. It could fade a yes. bit, but it wouldn't be noticeable to, say, a viewer, because when the signal would fade, the special automatic circuits in the terminal equipment comes into action and amplifiers bring the signal up again to what it should be. So I don't think we need of any worry about that.
3: I see, everything has been thought out long before I thought of it. <laughs> Well, I could only think of difficulties.
12: Yeah, well, of course, that, uh, I mean, these things are something that the, that's what the engineer is for. I okay, can yes. foresee as much as he can. Yes. take steps to, to, to uh, prevent it happening before it happens. Tell me now, on,
3: on another subject, and uh, seeing that it's near Christmas time, if I sent you a Christmas card
12: up there, I suppose the postman would have to push his bicycle all the way up that avenue to you. Oh my goodness, don't inflict that on the poor postman, yes, from the public road he he would have about two and a half miles of road to push his bicycle up to get here, and if we had snow or ice, or even this heavy wind, it would be a terrible strain on him. No, can't you wish it to me over the microwave I'll
3: wish it to you over the microwave thing, yes, and to all everybody else up there.
12: Very well, I'll convey your good wishes to them all But no cards and no presents?
3: Montrose has grown in a strange way. To me, the building seems to have changed very little in six months. Round it, bulldozers are smoothing out terraces and levelling down a car park. Concrete mixers are pouring steadily, but where's it going? There are sawing and hammering jobs, but the outsider can't make out what it's all for. The fact is that the building is growing from the inside outwards towards the walls. And at the very core, the studios are being completed, and 28,000 yards of wiring have been laid
4: under the floors. During all this time, there has been intensive planning at the Clarendon Street headquarters, booking programs, engaging artists, and already units have been filming events of the year for future use. In the school and elsewhere, programs are being tried out. Sometimes these are dry runs for the student crews. Sometimes they're actually recorded. The subjects range from song and dance to, say, this one, handicrafts for women. Christopher Fitzsimon is directing a feature that demonstrates work from the west of Ireland.
5: Who's on camera one? Here. Right here. Fine. We want you to crane up as far as possible and take each of those objects in turn as we come to them. Now, Mrs. Fawley will start demonstrating at the far end, and you'll take each object one by one. The left end, left That's right. Each object one by one, right down to the right end of the table as she comes to them. Right. Thank you. Fine. Terrific.
13: All right, let's cut the chatter, please.
5: All right. Cue Mrs. Fawley and fade up to.
2: Now, this hairpin work is made on. A about
5: constant practice
4: time. is now showing itself in smooth working the unclassified trainees of july have settled down into jobs and here's Kieran kilroy again we first heard him at the beginning of his training
3: now the last time i saw you you had a brush in your hand to you a sweeping the studio floor <laughs> weren't
2: you i believe so yes everybody was oh uh, yes everybody had do, a little bit a, of everything to do Bullying and dragging
3: around the place mm-hmm. what job have you settled to now
2: well i think i'm almost finally a floor manager I've been on that job now almost every day.
3: What's that involve you doing?
2: It's very like the stage manager in the Mm theatre, only it's uh, rather vastly more complicated. There's so many things you have to think of. And you're receiving instructions all the time from the director up in the control room.
3: Through your headphones. Through the
2: headphones,
3: yes. yes. So it's a Mm -hmm. largely responsible sort of job.
2: It is. You have to keep your eye open all the time and be ready to fling yourself around if you have to. And you think that's the job you want? Yes, definitely.
4: So that's that. Now, while the spectacular things, like the Norwegian riggers building the mast at Montrose, were high an enormous amount of background work was going ahead. For many department heads, a twelve-hour or more day was quite normal during this period of construction. Some of them are in charge of activities that the public doesn't immediately think of, like choreography. Norman Main, the choreographer, born in County Antrim and trained in Canada and America, visited Joan Moriarty, who directs the Cork Ballet Company and Irish Theatre Ballet.
5: I'm here to have a look at your dancers and your group. The idea is, with my position with Radio Air and Television, that I should like a group of dancers who would perform on a variety show as such every week. Uh, This is primarily I'm looking at individual dancers. I also wanted to see your group in the event that we would have uh, large spectacular programs where we demand, you know, a company of yes, dancers yes. that would come in and do some of their repertoire and so on. If for well, the individual dancer I uh, should like a general all-round type dancer who can do what we call commercial dancing, yes. I'm sure you, you uh, know yes, what right, I mean, yes. where one week perhaps they'd be designed to do a Charleston, if it was a 20 show, or the next week a romantic uh, ballroom number or a modern jazz number, that type of thing, yes. is what we're looking for in individual dancers, yes. what I call the versatile all-round dancer. With regard to your group, as I say, it's the sort of program where we'd have perhaps a symphony orchestra and a rather uh, folio type program where we'd have a ballet company, yes. and that's why I'd be interested in seeing your group, to see, you know, the type of work yes. that you present,
2: mm. Well, we do all types of ballet actually in the company, from modern to classical to Irish ballets, character. We do all types of work Mm -hmm.
5: here,
2: which you must do when you're travelling around to small places. You've got to have a very varied programme and something that everybody's going to understand.
5: Yes. With your Irish ballet, now, uh, does that mean that you take an Irish theme and put a ballet to it? Do you choreograph yourself or create your own?
2: Yes. I nearly do all the ballets in our company myself. I suppose since since we've started, I've done well over 60 ballets now, ranging from an hour and a half
5: down to ten minute ballets. Oh, I see. This I find very interesting uh, because Irish dancing I've always been particularly partial to since I've I've done some Irish dancing myself and I find that uh, to find that it's going on in a progression sort of way where we can you know simulate both Irish and ballet in a creative form I find very interesting and I haven't seen too much of it. Yes. Uh, now, with regard to your, your own dancers, how do you find... I'm having difficulty at the moment in finding boy dancers in Ireland. What have you done with that,
2: oh, in that regard? Oh, that's always a nightmare.
5: Yes, although I can't understand that, because so many of them do the traditional Irish dancing. I don't see why they are so, um, you know, uneager to carry it over into their other fields of dance. I yes, don't it understand
2: it that at it all. It is very, very hard to understand, but yes, I'm afraid sure that is the position that is the position.
4: Here. There are exciting plans for new plays, and the director of drama
14: is Hilton Edwards. My first task is the supervising the reading of plays and the selection of plays which I put before the programme controller for his acceptance into the mm. programme, uh, then uh, choosing of a producer, the discussion with him of the general line to be taken with the production, and I suppose a general overall su- uh, supervision, but these people are, are highly expert in television and I naturally can't carry this as far as I would in the theatre. I'm very much in the position in actual production of, shall we say, somebody supervising a busy shoot. I can go down to the butts and I can uh, watch the man shooting, but remember I'm not holding the rifle myself. Yes. And it's no good me saying to the man shooting little to the left a little to the right or i would expect him to say well here's the gun shoot at the darn target yourself yes yes
3: and uh, how many of these uh, plays
14: can we expect in well, a week with my, that was the first question i asked when i came here and i understand that the present requirements from this uh, department will be one full-length play a week that is to say either Uh, an hour play, or under certain circumstances, if the play really uh, needs this space, an hour and a half, and one half-an-hour play a week. Now, this half-an-hour play will either be a a play complete in itself, or uh, a play again complete in itself, but a portion of a series, or it might indeed be a a portion of a serial. You know, uh, next week, see how she gets out of the well. Uh, and as well as so therefore there's really an hour and a half of drama to be supplied a week and as well as this uh, i have on hand uh, a series which i suppose are not strictly drama which for want of a better title at the moment uh, we're calling uh, Mm self-portraits and these are really autobiographical half an hours of people reading or talking or reciting from their own works and describing uh, how these uh, works fit into their life. We already have a series, an excellent series, by Frank O'Connor called Interior Voices. I'm hoping that Orson Welles, Annie McMaster, Rhea Mooney uh, and various other uh, significant people in drama and dramatic writing will contribute to this series.
4: Neil Sheridan is in charge of the sale of advertising space. Some people feel a preponderance of advertising in the programmes,
6: Uh, Well, I think that's, uh, to say the least, uh, an exaggeration. It's quite obvious that uh, we shall have to have advertising revenue in order to make the service viable. Um, We couldn't operate a television service in this country on license revenue alone, so the government wisely, I think, uh, decided that it needed two sources of revenue, license and advertising. Uh, But the uh, suggestion that um, there will be a preponderance of advertising is uh, just nonsense. And how
3: often do you anticipate the natural break will occur in, in, say, two hours? How many times? Uh,
6: In two hours, you would probably have, um, depending on the time of night, uh, you would probably have, at peak time, uh, three breaks in each hour. Yes.
3: Uh, Have you any um, control over the matter in the advertisements, the artistic
6: style and anything like that? Well, uh, we have indeed. We have, all, uh, most of these uh, will be actually on film with uh, uh, voice or voiceover, with uh, soundtrack voice or voiceover. There will of course be the occasional slide. Which is um, yes. uh, a static slide. Yes. Uh, we have indeed uh, a very uh, severe degree of control over these because in fact we have issued a printed code of standards mm-hmm. with which all advertisers and agents must conform. I must say that uh, it's very encouraging to see that advertisers throughout the country have shown great faith in the possibilities of television as an advertising medium. Our booking situation is very healthy at the moment. What
3: about advertisers outside the country? Have
6: you had to travel and um, ask inquiries outside Ireland, make inquiries outside Ireland? Well we, we do anticipate that we'll get quite a, a lot of advertising from agents based in Britain, in London, uh, who are handling big international accounts such as uh, you know Unilever uh, and these internationally distributed products.
4: Sports coverage is going to be very important. The head of sports is Miholo O'Hare.
8: Well this being a country where sport dominates almost all other news, uh, I hope to have a fairly wide coverage of sport. In fact each Thursday we should put on a feature program, a magazine program with film and discussion groups and things like that. Each Sunday evening we'll have a wrap-up program of the Weekend of Sport in which we hope to have reports of the big matches of the various types of games all over the country together with film and stills. And then at five past eleven each night we have a five-minute sports wrap-up of gossip and possibly results. In addition to that we'll have, of course, the usual sports items in the news bulletins through the evening. Yes,
3: that sounds like a a busy time for you.
8: Well, it certainly has been up to now. We've been planning and laying the foundation for all these things and keeping the fingers crossed that it'll all work out the way the foundation is laid.
3: Now, how does um, this kind of outside broadcast differ from uh, the sound?
8: Well, uh, the big thing, of course, would be uh, the staffing of it all to bring the picture, because the bringing of a picture of a sports event into your home is a great deal more difficult and more complicated than bringing the sound picture. For example, if uh, I was doing the All-Ireland football final at Croke Park, a technician and myself would go along and that would be it. But uh, if we're going to do it on television, well, say we have three camera crews and uh, sound crews and all the rest, I think it would take about 20 people at least to bring it uh, to the homes throughout the country.
3: And that, in the case of the All-Ireland, that would be a direct transmission from uh, from the ground to to Montrose?
8: Yes, that's right. Well, yes. we, we hope to do a good number of OBs. We're hoping that uh, the various associations will cooperate, and certainly the many people with whom I've discussed the possibility of doing these events live, well, they've been very, very helpful. And these live broadcasts, of course, will be in addition to the magazine features and others that I mentioned a few moments ago. Yes.
3: Will you start with more than one outside broadcasting unit?
8: Uh, no, we'll be just the one to start off with. But uh, we're planning in such a way that we, we hope to have the a van uh, sent to the various centers where it can do the most good. I see,
3: yes. Now, um, talking about these centers, is there um, any likelihood that uh, any organization, any um, firm, for example, will take over um, a race, a fight, anything like that?
8: Well, uh, this is the day of commercial sport. We've had sponsored races and sponsored boxing tournaments and everything else and I think that it's more than probable that some of the big sponsors will sponsor the television of big events. I know there have been discussions on that line and well that's all I'll say
4: about it at the moment.
8: Well I'll just wish you a very happy and very busy new year. (laughs) Thank you very much, I assure you it will be.
4: Michael Barry is controller of programs. Some people are curious about the films we are going to see, and he has exact and reassuring knowledge of them.
9: Well, we shall, of course, be showing a great many films because in order to fill six hours of programming, it is quite impossible for any station, and most certainly for us starting with the facilities and resources we have available, to occupy all that programme time. We are doing our utmost to um, push ahead to the very limit the amount of home-produced material that we can provide, but it still leaves big areas. Now, to fill this, we are buying film or recorded programs from other people, largely a film because this is the most easily obtained uh, in the world television market, trying to spread it as widely as possible so that the whole doesn't come from one particular quarter. And when you say old, as I have already made clear, I think it's absolute nonsense to relate age necessarily with the quality of any individual program because some of the first were made by... Very real clever master people. You'll yeah, master that. Yeah. This after a great study, and if in fact they haven't been seen here for my money, this is something I think we yeah. ought to show. It's a question of choice of quality rather than age. Yes, of course. To operate it. Uh,
3: can you tell me any of the, the titles of any of the films you'll be seeing, Um
9: Yes, I think that's possible now. Uh, Two, of course, are known. Uh, I keep on mentioning the one, the Western uh, Mackenzie's Raiders. There are, in fact, several others. Have Gun Will Travel, which uh, is having a very successful run, but not uh, through the North, so it hasn't been seen here at all. Um, the Aquanauts, which, in fact, is a new one of the new hour length shows that we have got. There's another uh, splendid uh, hour length drama um, made by one of the top ranking uh, American. Uh, Television drama producers, Albert McCleary, cameo. There's uh, also uh, another half hour series, The uh, Fenders, which has a high reputation. In the children's uh, band, we've got Buckskin, which is uh, a western with a little boy and his horse for children. We've got Rintin Tin, of course, well known again, it's yes. old again, again but, uh, but I it's all oh, new for children yes. here yeah, and immemorial, if you like, for oh. all children anywhere. Um, so one or two other hour-length filmed drama serials which will um, go to fill up those places where we just can't make drama ourselves. Uh, we've got, on the other hand, um, two or three top-ranking BBC dramas uh, mm-hmm. to put in as well, um, and programmes of that sort from other broadcasting yes. organisations.
3: Uh, will the, all these films be story films, or will they be film shows
9: or documentaries? Oh, or indeed, yes. We've got uh, we've got the whole of the NBC and a choice of CBS public affairs documentary films. Oh, yes. well,
3: that's tremendous. Oh yes. Yes. Now, while I've been talking to Mr. Barry, I've been looking down at the end of the room at an enormous blackboard headed program schedule and split up into the days of the week and the televising hours and. Uh, I noticed, Mr Barry, down at, it would appear to be uh, 11 o'clock, or just a few minutes before 11, every night we have epilogue. What form is that going to take?
9: That will be at 11 o'clock every night, uh, and before the final news headlines in the Irish news, um, we uh, are going to attempt uh, to have the nightly epilogue. This will be interdenominational, and uh, we shall actually tie it to the minute, Uh, There'll be freedom there for the uh, moment's thought, religious thought, to be given at the close of day.
3: At the beginning of December, a large board appeared in the hall of the Clarendon Street offices. Everyone could read it and absorb its alarming message. It reproduced a page of the calendar for December, and every morning a day was crossed off. The last day, the 31st, today, is marked Air. Christmas came in with its usual rush for us, but never with such a frightening hurrying on of time as for the workers in Telefish Eran. When those bells ring out again tonight, Telefish Eran will be in being. Rebordo Falcon, controller of sound radio, speaking from what we may call the Mother House, welcomes this alarmingly large offspring of ours, very much alive and kicking, to be seen and heard
15: today. This might be described in a famous phrase as the end of the beginning. I mean, of course, that Radio Aden, having brought sound broadcasting forward from small beginnings onto larger ends, now embarks on a television service, easily one of the most adventurous of the projects which is undertaken in the 35 years of its existence. Tonight, almost 35 years to the day after the start of sound broadcasting, we add vision to sound, and that is a tremendous leap for us, not in the dark, but into the light, literally into the light. In a very special sense, Radio Aaron has been for many years the voice of Ireland, because into the ears of Ireland we have poured the words and music which are native to us, first as Irish men and women, secondly as Europeans, and thirdly as citizens of God's world. Radio Aidan had from the start the immense good fortune that it was founded and fostered in an Irish state, a state which Irishmen governed, even though, most lamentably, that state did not and does not yet extend through the whole of the island of Ireland. Imagine the difference to Irish broadcasting if it had begun and been formed outside the mould of self-government. Imagine, conversely, the joy of a Thomas Davis on finding available to him the chance of moulding freely so great a thing as broadcasting. Well then, we have been the voice of Ireland for 35 years. The capital has spoken through our microphones, the cities, the towns and the country places have made their voices heard, the islands have told their stories to the mainland. And these things have mattered greatly to the Irish nation for its language, its literature, its drama, its magic and its profound knowledge of its own deep heart and spirit. And now we begin Irish television. There is as we all know a little island off the coast of Dublin which is known as Ireland's Eye. Irish television is going to be in a special sense Ireland's Eye because in addition to pouring Irish song and speech into the ears of Ireland's people Radio Aidan will in future view with the eyes of Ireland's people the images and pictures which make up the Irish scene and later when the engineers begin extending our transmissions to foreign countries, the picture of Ireland, as well as the voice of Ireland, will go afar into many lands, and we hope that in our small way we may add to the sum of the world's achievement. La Darcelle, Nigachla, Aharlian Echtman, tímid aid and so
3: the day this day morning at kapur and the arrival of the stuff. The transmitters are going to be warmed up. Power, air circulation, water. The switches go down in the transmitter hole. Check the quality of the test card. The engineer at the control desk talks with the engineer in the transmitter hall as he makes adjustments.
13: Can we adjust black level first? I'll centralize the black level control here on the desk. Now take number one for a start. Yeah, I've set that at uh, step six here. I think you're a bit low on black level. Would you bring up the preset a little
0: Yeah, just a moment now.
13: That's a little too much. Back it off somewhat. How about that? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I think we've got a a little blow through. Okay, I'll Uh, just... Could you increase uh, sink stretch? There we are. Uh, Give it a little more, about two degrees on the pot.
3: It all means something towards getting the picture perfect. Yeah,
13: that's fine. There's a little bending now in the gray region. Um, I'll try some gray bend. back off sink gray stretch a little. Yeah, I think that's okay. Hold it at that. Uh, power appears to be a little up. I'd say we're running a little over the five kilowatts. Would you back off the input a little? Yeah. Not quite so much. There we Advance are. Lance it up a little more. That's fine. Yeah, I think number one will do
5: now. How about number two?
3: Now, check with the studios at Montrose.
5: Hello. Hello. Yeah, we, we got that. Have you? Yeah.
12: Well have... look? It looks okay. More or less the same as going up. Yeah, I see. Uh, OK, we'll send it to you yeah. on the other one now. OK, do, do you want
5: to see a sort to see the, the linearity?
3: Yes, you can do that. OK. Yeah, right. So, all's well between Kapur and the link house, and presumably all's well between the link house and the studios, at this very moment, the recently installed clocks are jumping ahead, second by second, to the moment when the control panel will be manned. Last-minute checks are being made, and Ernest Byrne has gathered his key men round him.
10: Uh, whereabouts will we have the captions positioned for all the cameras? They're going onto on camera one, all the captions. And, uh, Louis, will you be careful that each caption is pulled? you know, right, right on when okay. it's finished, so we get on the mix. Will you
5: have this mixed in uh, this
10: one? this will won't mix in at all, no, because our anthem is sound on, and uh, we may have background discs for news later on, which the news producer will tell you about. Uh, Chris will be in to give you a rundown on the news on the general list that we have. Okay, is that uh, anybody got any questions now about it? I think everything's okay. You're happy good life. Mm-hmm. Well, as I've said, remember everything that we've done since last July because uh, this is it. It's a big night, and I know everybody's going to be great. So we've got just under two hours. Let's go.
3: They've dispersed for the time being. Most of them are those who first came together in the school, and now we're going to jump ahead in time. With the much-rehearsed opening of Telefish Aaron. At the long control desk sits the producing team. They can see the studio through a glass panel, and small screens give pictures of what each camera is covering. The national anthem, the president's speech, all these things planned so long ago are now ready. And if you go over to Channel 7 to see the first programme, think of those waiting through that last long minute and remember the flow of directions behind the opening picture. So, Montrose Studios, the last minute. One
10: minute to air. Clock is up. Stand-by, captions on one. Stand-by, telecine, please.
5: Telecine, standing by. Thank you.
10: Forty-five seconds. I'll do a countdown at ten.
3: The waiting, the remembering of past training, and the last rundown of the routine.
10: 30 seconds, 30 seconds to air.
3: The watching, with no room for thinking of the watchers outside.
10: Focus in on camera one, please. 15 seconds to air. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. We're on the air, caption up, roll the national anthem. Stand by sound on film. Take it, sound. One minute and 28 seconds to the president's speech.
9: Looks very good.
10: One minute to President's speech. Forty-five. We dissolve to camera one on the caption before speech. It will be five seconds in absolute silence. 30. Stand by for supering the flag on camera two on the last shot of the anthem. Four shots to go. The last shot is up, super two on the flag. Ready caption on one. Fading out, fade in one. Stand by, President's speech.
3: There we must leave television. I hope we've managed to give you an idea of some of the work from the ground up to the moment of seeing, the moment we've anticipated for you. Outside the studio are the planners and the production teams waiting for a minute further on in time for tomorrow or next week or next year, starting freshly, every night, and never-ending.
0: That was From the Ground Up, a sound picture of the development of Telefiche Aram, in which you heard the voices of Edward J. Roth, Jr., Director General of Radio Aram, Ribor the Farachoin, Controller of Sound Programs, Michael Barry, controller of Television Programmes Patrick Kearney, Programme Organiser Hilton Edwards, Director of Drama Michael O'Hare, Head of Sports Neil Sheridan, Director of Advertising Kevin J. O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell and Dermot O'Sullivan, Transmission Engineers and many others. The opening production was by Ernest Byrne. The organist was Norman Metcalf. From the Ground Up was produced by Seamus Bramach and written by Norris Davidson, who spoke the narration with Des Nealon. In charge of sound, Dennis Cribbin and Liam De Wall. In charge of grams, John Coe. All concerned with this production, wish you and Telefish Aaron a happy and successful new year.